0: away by Harris. Lacks it on the right wing. Shovels it back out. And will this be an icing call? Yes, it will. Behind the play. Maxwell and Harris to drop the gloves. And Harris, oh, he landed a quick right jab that knocked Maxwell down the one knee. And that'll do it. Wow.
1: This is Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. Welcome to episode 59, actual episode 76. And today I bring you the third installment of Talking Isles Enforcers With. And my guest today is an old friend, one of my favorite people in the whole world, a dude who can always make me smile and really just an all-around great guy mr darcy harris the pride of o'leary prince edward island i met darcy back in 1998 one of the many players i met on the Fredericton canadians through terry ryan and um i'd known a little bit about darcy i'd seen some of his scraps from kitchener before that but um I, i didn't know him as a person and um still talk today really a testament to what a great guy he is and tough as nails um i say about darcy darcy has uh has two qualities that uh really help a guy if they're going to get in the enforcer business and that is um head of granite and heart of a lion and uh, darcy has both of those so uh so if you're not too familiar with darcy harris please go on youtube and uh, watch some of his fights because um he's tough as nails he's not he doesn't have the heavyweight size, but uh, he has the heavyweight heart, and he fights all these guys, and we're gonna get into that once uh once I start the interview, so do yourself a favor and uh please go check out some of Darcy's scraps on YouTube. You will not be disappointed, so here we are, like I said episode fifty nine and if you wouldn't mind, if you could please go subscribe to the program and also if you could like rate and review the show. Subscription is free. Why wouldn't you subscribe? And the good thing is, once you subscribe, you never have to worry about uh, missing an episode as my uh, show will appear in your feed automatically. And if you like, rate, and review the show or any one of those things, it gives the show a little greater visibility when people do searches for hockey or hockey fights or whatever the search engine and how the algorithm works with these um, podcast platforms I believe it gives the show greater vis- visibility. And um, while I am not Joe Rogan or Paul uh I could use all the help I can get. So uh, so if you don't mind and you're already listening and you could do that for me, I would appreciate it. Social media. Let's talk about social media. If you're on Twitter, I have uh, two Twitter accounts. Joe underscore Lozito is my personal Twitter. And at Kali Sinbin Pod is the Twitter account for the program. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles Podcast. And on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. So, the Coliseum Bin Pod, Twitter, and the Facebook and the Instagram, basically the same type of account. Not everybody is on all platforms. But if you're a fan of the show, and I I hate using the word fan. uh, it, It just, I don't know, it's just not me. But if you enjoy the content, uh, please go to those social media platforms Because you'll enjoy the content on there Strictly Islander Organizational Enforcer related items Pictures, birthdays, statistics um, Maybe some uh, facts that you may not know about And uh, But like I said it, it all is in relation to this podcast And as far as my personal Twitter account At Joe underscore Lozito uh, You know, just a lot of mindless stuff You know, uh, no politics Uh, no um, uh, disease information. You have enough friends who are experts in both. By this point, I believe you don't need one more, and I certainly am not. If you are interested in repping Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box swag for the summer, summer's in full swing. Uh, Actually, today is Monday, August 2nd, and uh, so you're about halfway done with the summer, but there's still plenty of time to rock that Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box tank top. Sun's out, guns out, right? But uh, we have tank tops, t-shirts, leggings. Uh, when it gets colder, I have plenty of sweatshirts and hoodies, um, tote bags, towels. I mean, anything that Teespring allowed me to create, I have created with the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box logo on it. Uh, there are two links in this description. ...of the very episode you're listening to. One is a link to the items with the original logo... ...and one is the link to the items with the alternate logo. Teespring would not let me combine the two. I'm not trying to be difficult, but... uh, ...I think it's because... ...the same items are available for both logos. But, I I don't know. It's a Teespring thing. It's just two... It's uh, whichever logo you like better... ...or if you love both of them. Just click on both of the links... And as you know, every week I give a listener exclusive discount. This week, the discount code is Harris20, H-A-R-R-I-S-2-0, Harris20. So in either of the merchandise stores at checkout, use code Harris20 and you will get 20% off your entire order. And the Harris20 discount code is valid through next Monday, August 9th. So get on that today. Get yourself some quality Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box merchandise. I would certainly recommend it, and uh, I appreciate if you do so. The reason why I love pumping out that merchandise is because I love my logo. I love the regular logo. I love the alternate logo. And if you're a regular listener, you know the logo was drawn up by local Long Island artist slash legend Joe Maricich. Joe is available for hire for any of your art needs. You can hit Joe up at GraphicsJoker on Twitter or at LoudEgg.com. If you're an Islanders fan, a Jets fan, a Mets fan, you've seen Joe's work across all social media platforms. You've seen those cartoons. You've seen the Barry Trotz cartoon. Um every time there's an Islander game met game, whatever, Joe's always pumping out those, uh, those cartoons. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, people like myself, we're, we're pumping those things out too. It, they're just, they're amazing. It's amazing work. And, um, I love posting his stuff. And then I love when I, if I post something about Matt Martin, someone will reply with Joe's Matt Martin cartoon. I think it's pretty cool. So, um, but Joe can do more than cartoons. So any kind of art you need, Joe can help you out with that. So uh, definitely reach out to Joe. If you have any art projects you need taken care of my buddy, Darren, he his latest episode on the fourth line voice podcast. He called me the godfather of voguing. I think Darren might've hit the Pilsner a little bit in that one. Uh, Darren and I, uh, we go way back and, uh, he does confuse the islands though. Darren, I am not on Coney Island. I'm not on Staten Island. This is Long Island. Uh, but <laughs> don't listen to Darren for his, uh, descriptions of where I am currently. Listen to Darren for the quality content. Darren is the OG of the Enforcer podcast genre. Uh, I think he's around 110 episodes now, maybe more. If he's, uh, if you're more than that, Darren, I apologize um darren is a proud member of the hockey podcast network run by some pretty cool guys uh isha who i have a relationship with is very good to me like i i said a couple episodes back i think uh, i am not on the hockey podcast network but isha is always there uh retweeting about my episodes and uh he doesn't have to do that he's got enough shows under his belt But he's always very cool to me, very nice to me. So I encourage you to check out the Hockey Podcast Network, check out the variety of shows. My favorites, of course, are the Fourth Line Voice Podcast and Tales with TR, Terry Ryan Show. But Darren, proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, he has two episodes a week. His Wednesday episode is the player interview show, and his Sunday episodes are the Sunday shit show, which I just finished listening to this morning, his latest Sunday shit show. And um, Darren, I I never, ever have been on a dance dance revolution. I just want to clear that up right now. Uh, I would probably break the machine or break my neck trying to use it. But I digress. Darren's interview last Wednesday was with a player named Harrison Harper uh I knew nothing about Harrison but uh, that was a really really good interview um I think he, he said he played in the Western League a little bit I know he has his own podcast now and I love I love when I hear interviews about players I know nothing about because especially when Darren does them or Alec who I'll talk about in a minute uh we all go deep diving and um we get all the information that you may not get anywhere else and I know a lot more about Harrison Harper now than I did uh before I listened so uh go back Last Wednesday, listen to Harrison Harper. Then listen to yesterday's Sunday Shit Show episode. Very, very quality stuff. And then go back and check out the back catalog. One of these days, every time I hear Darren and Alec and they talk about uh, former guests of all the shows, I said I got to go through their back catalog and and write down some names, write down some of the bigger names, write down some of the guys that have uh, affiliations with the Islanders. Uh, And I never do. And uh, I never remember, really. I remember when they mention it, and I remember right now when I'm in my intro. And I I have to remember one of these days. But go back and listen to Darren's back catalog. He's got uh, many, many quality guests. And uh, the Sunday shit shows, I always say don't sleep on those because those things are classic. Also, if you have watched the hockey fight on YouTube, chances are, it has been on the 4th Line Voice YouTube channel. I believe he is over 2,500 fights now. Every league you can think of, every player you can think of, all good stuff there. Maybe um, you got nothing to do at night, grill up a steak or something, crack open a few beers, and just sit in front of your laptop and you know watch some fights for an hour or two. No matter who you're looking for, it's going to be on there, no matter what team, what league, what player. Definitely going to be on there, and he makes it very easy with his search option. I mean, at this point, you have no excuse not to, let's be honest. But check out the 4th Line Voice podcast. Check out the 4th Line Voice YouTube channel. The 5 for Fighting podcast has made its triumphant return. I believe Alec has had two episodes because I don't think he released his second Facebook Live episode yet. That'll probably be released this week, but he had a... um, he had, well, no, I guess it would be three episodes. I think he had his return episode. He had his Facebook live episode. And then the latest episode was with, uh, former enforcer Rob Volterra. I remember seeing Rob Volterra when he played for Hershey. Rob's a very tough guy. The interview was great. He, he's a great interview. Um, very forthcoming. And, um, it's funny. He mentioned one player who I was thinking about getting on the show and uh i have not reached out to him yet but i was thinking about it and there was one player that he talked about and he didn't really comment on him too much apparently uh he's not a fan and uh all that did was pique my curiosity even more so uh so if you want to know who that is you'll have to listen to the episode and um i may have to reach out to this guy because uh i have to know so uh you know i'm nosy that way but uh But, you know, that's the Enforcer game. 99% of the guys get along, but every now and then there are some guys that don't really care for each other. But definitely, definitely check out the Fight for Fighting podcast, especially the last episode of Rob Volterra. Really, really good stuff. And similar to Darren, Alec has an excellent back catalog. And uh, definitely uh, check it out. Go for it, man, you know. Um, Also, if you're on Facebook, the Enforcer Appreciation page, that was created by Alec. Oh, God, probably two years ago, maybe. I don't know. I'm so bad with time. But uh, I think it's over 13,000 members at this point. And um, and actually, if you go on there and you scroll a little bit, you'll actually see a lot of material that Darren gets for his Sunday shit shows. Um, One of the things he spoke about recently was his uh, fifth annual Bob Probert Invitational Tournament which uh, a lot of people take a little too seriously. Um, It's actually a little crazy. And this was the first year that Darren brought it to uh, the Facebook world. Usually it's just uh, strictly Twitter. And uh, the Facebook world, they really take these hypothetical tournaments real (laughs) serious. So, uh, And a lot of that, like I said, was in this enforcer appreciation group. And you know what? Like I always say, there's a lot of nut jobs in there. And honestly, I think there are a lot of knuckleheads. But the cool thing is there are some very knowledgeable fight fans in there. And a lot of the players are in there. And it's cool because... You know, maybe you live in a city where you never had an opportunity to go to a game and meet meet any of these guys, but you've been a fan for a long time. Well, now it's right at your fingertips, and you can actually go and have a conversation with them, and the guys are all cool, it's just like talking to one of your buddies. So, um, you know, me being on Long Island and being in Philadelphia, I've always had access to the players, but uh, maybe you haven't, and it's it's kind of cool, you know, and to just be in a group with like-minded individuals, because once you get past the people who I think are just in there to be dicks. And that's probably any Facebook group. That's not exclusive to this group. I just think every group, you have a certain percentage of people that are just there to start shit. And I guess that's social media in general. It's a good group, and there's some quality people in there. So definitely um, join the group and make sure you answer the questions to join. I I refuse so many people into that group because they just don't answer the questions. Of course, I think a lot of them are from Thailand. I don't think they're real people, by the way, but... uh, but yeah, so I, I I reject a lot of people. But make sure you answer those questions, okay? The third show I want to tell you about is in hiatus right now. The Bucket Drop podcast with my friend Bobby Longgrass. Bobby does short episodes, although they have been getting longer. Actually, I think when he start when he when he came back, they were like eight nine minutes. Now they're upwards of 20, twenty twenty five minutes. So that's always good. Um, Bobby does these short episodes, mostly focusing on. Hockey in the Ontario area with Ottawa and Toronto. He does venture into Montreal because that's his favorite team. Uh, Talks about some um, combat sports, talks about betting, and um, real convenient, conveniently timed episodes. You have to run some errands. Just chuck on the uh, Bucket Drop podcast with Bobby Longrass. So those are the three shows I would really recommend you listen to. Fourth Line Voice podcast, Five for Fighting podcast, and the Bucket Drop podcast. Give those guys a listen. You will not be disappointed. Uh, all right. So now if you're on my Twitter, you've seen me pump up this GoFundMe for a couple of months now. My friend Steve from whenprobertwasking.com and Jesus fuck YouTube, they just took this guy's YouTube channel down. He had so much stuff on there. I I think they took it down because there was violence and uh, it's hockey fights. So does that mean YouTube's going to now start going down, taking all the hockey fights? And I'll tell you what, there's a lot more violent shit on YouTube than hockey fights. So fuck you, YouTube. That's a fuck. That's just wrong. This guy's worked on that for so long and you just fucking take it down with no reasoning, no explanation. It's a joke. But anyway, Steve started a GoFundMe. Uh, if you're a fight fan, you've been on Drop Your Gloves before. If you're a player, you've been on Drop Your Gloves before because you want to check out fight cards. You want to check out fight videos, scout your opponent, uh, do research, whatever. Well... Drop Your Gloves no longer is in existence. There are some fight cards still on the Wayback Machine, but the majority of the site is not available. And um, Steve, who is the Rain Man of the hockey fight hobby, the guy remembers everything. It's insane. Uh, He went to some web designers, got a price of about $10,000 to rebuild the site, bigger, better, and badder. Um, We're a little bit past 5,000 right now. Still a ways to go. So um, if you can donate anything a dollar five dollars ten dollars whatever it is please do it's on my twitter every day uh and if you can't donate like i always say i understand completely uh please retweet my tweet so uh it gets uh more eyeballs on it and maybe they can donate but darren actually said a very interesting thing in his episode that i listened to this morning if you know someone who can design websites and not like a geocities website or whatever like a legit you know, like a computer guy that can design websites that can use the money that can do it for less than $10,000. Definitely hit up Steve because I don't think he, it's not like he left a deposit with any of these guys. These are just just estimates he got. So if you're someone that is is really good on the computer and, and would like to do this project with Steve, I mean, it's a project, don't get me wrong, but If you can do it for less than 10 grand, definitely hit up Steve or myself and I can forward you to him and let's get this thing going. So, um, like I said, everybody's been on that site and everybody that's been on that site misses that site. So, um, you know, any help is appreciated, whether it's in the form of a donation or in the form of a retweet. So I appreciate that. So, uh, just a few more things right now, uh, for Islander fans, we are still waiting on Lula Marillo to announce his signings. I think you can kind of figure out who's been signed based on who hasn't been who hasn't been announced as being signed with other teams um you know Parisi has not been announced as signing with anyone else. uh Casey Zizekas has not been announced signing with anyone else, so I feel pretty confident that those two guys are coming here. Uh, there's a couple of other names out there, but um, it, it makes me laugh. Like I say, social media, Lula Lammarillo has been doing this for a very, very long time. Lula Lammarillo has never wavered in how Lou Lammarillo does business. So you have to understand Lou Lamarillo is on Lou Lamarillo time. And it's ironic that the same people that I see, you know, praising him, a lot of those people are the ones saying, oh, come on, Lou, come on, Lou. I mean, you have to know his pattern by now. He's going to announce these signings when it's right for him and right for the organization. I guess what people have to understand is, yes, I am the king of being impatient, but I understand his M.O. And when it's right, and when all the ducks are in a row, and when he wants to announce them, he's going to announce them. Again, I know for a lot of Islander fans that maybe weren't around during the Bill Tory era, this is the first time you've really had a grown-up running the show. Because between Bill Tory and Lou Lamarillo, there's been some questionable leadership here. And I'm not calling anyone out. I don't think everyone that's had that position between the two of them has been lousy. I know one was definitely atrocious. And then the other two, let's say, are up for your own interpretation. But the point is nobody between Bill Torrey and Lou Lamarillo has the pedigree of Bill Torrey and Lou Lamarillo, And if you're not old enough to have lived through the Bill Torrey years, you're not used to having a grown-up in charge. So the only thing I will say to you is just be patient. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. I, I know you know that. Even the people who say, oh, Lou is a dinosaur. I wish we had a guy in there with a calculator, blah, blah, blah. I mean, stop. Lou Lamarillo knows what he's doing, so just be patient. Uh, and then just lastly, I want to talk about some of the signings that have been announced. First of all, congratulations to Dean Chenaouth. Uh Tremendous upgrade going from Carolina. And what's going on with Carolina? Jesus, that owner. Holy shit. Talk about cheap. My goodness. Dean looks like he dodged a big bullet there. Um, going from Carolina to Toronto as an assistant coach. Uh, I think that's a tremendous signing for Toronto uh just go back and look what Dean did to the Carolina Hurricanes defensive statistics um I think he was a big part in uh, the growth of Doug Hamilton and uh I mean this you could be I know you don't it's not for Dean to say cuz he's very happy where he is right now but if the time comes that things don't work out in Toronto with uh, coach Keith there you got a guy ready to go as a head coach there so um I mean, but that is in the future. I just want to congratulate Dean for signing with Toronto. He's in a place now that, uh, is a hockey hotbed. So, uh, I guess he, he's in the fire. Now he's, he's in the frying pan and the fire. Uh, obviously he's the assistant coach. He's not going to take as much as, uh, the coach or the, uh, the calculator boy, but, um, I'm really happy for Dean that he's in a place now where it's hockey 24 seven. And, uh, I know he's going to thrive up there. And, uh, you know, Dean really, I'll tell you what, Dean has helped me out a lot with this show. He really has. Dean is like, uh, he's a human Rolodex. Uh, when I reach out for comments on some of my guests, he's always there with the comments. If I need help with something, he's always there. So, uh, I don't know if he listens to every episode, but Dean, if you are listening to this episode, uh, I really appreciate everything that you've ever done for me. And, uh, especially, uh, You know, after my incident on the subway and, um, of course, with this program. So thank you very much. And even though it's Toronto and uh, they're a very unlikable group up there. And you know what? It may not even be the team. There are some players in the team that are annoying. But that fan base, oh, my God. But, uh, Dean, of course, I wish you nothing but unlimited success. Good luck up there. Uh, Another guy that Toronto signed, which is going to be interesting. Uh, curtis gabriel signed with toronto and uh good for him i hope that he stays up with toronto all year my fear is that he's going to be mostly with the marley's um but i would love for him to be in Toronto. and the great thing about curtis gabriel curtis gabriel is very active uh with a lot of the uh um Causes that are big right now And I don't want to name any of them Because I don't want to shortchange any of them But but Curtis Gabriel is a guy that's out there He's out there fighting for people uh, Maybe people that can't fight for themselves He's out there right in the forefront He's doing a lot of really good things But he also fights for a living And we all know that there are a few people Up in the Toronto area That have uh, columns And internet uh, columns And internet platforms that really don't like the fighting and will take shots at the guys who do the job whenever they can. But Curtis Gabriel's he he's a guy that it's really hard to take shots at because he does so much good. So it'll be interesting. Like if Curtis, if the, the leaf signed, well, let's say a Vander Kane, someone who maybe isn't a good guy. Uh, maybe has had some issues. You can take shots at him. Because there's plenty out there. But Curtis Gabriel seems like a pretty decent human being. Seems like he really cares about the human race. Whether you agree with him or not. Whether you think he's over the top or not. Or whether you think he goes overboard or not. You can't deny the fact that Curtis Gabriel's out there fighting for others. And doing some really good things. Seems like a really, really good dude. I'm actually surprised that San Jose didn't keep him. Um, but you can't deny the fact that he seems like a really, really good guy. And it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, there's three or four guys that I'm thinking of right out in my head right now, um, that I won't give their names out because I think they're literally assholes. Uh, I won't give their names out. I mean, and you guys listening probably feel the same way. I'm sure you people feel the same way I do about these guys, but I'm not going to give, give you their names. You, I'm sure you can guess who it is. So it'll be interesting if Curtis Gabriel does end up staying with Toronto. How they balance that? Curtis Gabriel is a good human being, uh, but doing a job that they loathe, job that they could never do uh, because they don't, they're not man enough to do the job. So anyway, good luck to Curtis Gabriel in Toronto, along with Dean Schnalth. But there are two signings I really want to get into with you. Both signed. By the New York Rangers. Yes. And do you hear the happiness in my voice? I'm happy about this. For two reasons. One. The fact that the Rangers. Signed Jared Tenorti and Ryan Reeves. To me is wonderful. Because now what that means is. Those guys are going to play. They ha- they're going to play. It's not like they signed a guy that's going to dress 20 games. Those guys are going to play. Okay. So. If those guys are going to play, you know what that means? When they play the Islanders, Ross Johnston's going to play. So this is great because the Rangers got tougher. Now the Islanders are going to have to answer. And the coach of the Rangers, I mean, it's it's rights itself. The Rangers signed Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant had Ryan Reeves in Vegas. Gerard Gallant played Ryan Reeves in Vegas. So, this was really a no brainer, especially with Vegas. I don't know what's up with them getting rid of Fleury, now that getting rid of Reeves, that probably the two most popular players ever in the franchise history, they're both gone now. But Galant is the coach. You know he loves Reeves. You know he loves the way Tenority plays. Those guys are going to play. So, Reeves is going to be a regular. He's going to play a ton of games this year. And it was really I'll never forget watching an Islander Ranger game, I guess, two years ago and listening to the scratches and Michael Haley was a scratch and Ross Johnston was a scratch. And I said to myself, I can never remember a time in my life as an Islander fan where both of the heavyweights for the teams are scratched for an Islander Ranger game. And I think that was a sign of where hockey is going. And it's still going that way, don't get me wrong. But at least for the time being, Ryan Reeves is going to be a regular with the Rangers which means that when they play other teams that have tough guys, those guys have to play. It's just a fact. And like I said, if you know the history with Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves, you know that Reeves is going to get out there. He's not going to be a two-shift-a-game guy. So when the Rangers play the Islanders, Ross Johnston really needs to be in there. So this is really good for a player like Ross Johnston that the Rangers muscled up. And the the other part... Of this is funny, is that I, I I love watching Twitter when a guy like Ryan Reeves signs because the fan base who doesn't get it, who'll never get it, are they're up in arms. They're up in arms. How could they get a guy like Ryan Reeves? Ryan Reeves is this, he's that, he's not worth it. Oh, my God, a third-round pick. Here's a newsflash for you people, okay? There's not a Ranger fan alive that knows as much hockey as Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant thinks that Ryan Reeves will help his team. Gerard Gallant knows more than you. Gerard Gallant knows more than any of the writers out there criticizing the Rangers for getting Ryan Reeves. So you can bitch and moan and complain about your team getting tougher, okay, because they had to get tougher. And it's not just because of Tom Wilson. That's the other thing. Everyone's like, oh, Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson. Yeah, Tom Wilson made your team look like a bunch of bitches. And then when they didn't call up Mason Gertzen for the next game, then you have these pretenders trying to fight Tom Wilson. And and I'm not making fun of them. They stepped up and did what they had to do. But they're not in the same league as Tom Wilson. And, And listen, as much as I hate Tom Wilson, and as much as you probably hate Tom Wilson, He is still one of the tougher guys in the league, and he has to be dealt with because he gets a regular shift. And that game, the Rangers did not call up Gertzen. They need a guy up here. Now they have two, and one of them is a forward with a history already with Tom Wilson. But it's not just Tom Wilson. It's the Islanders. It's the Flyers. Samuel Moran is back. The Devils probably have to get somebody now. Because you have Moran in Philly. You have Johnston and Martin here with the Islanders. You have Reeves and Tenordi with the Rangers. Devils are probably going to have to sign somebody. But the point is, your team had one. You, the, this is why I said. The Rangers have so much young talent. But they're going to get run through the boards every game. Now you have two guys. And arguably the toughest guy in the league, and Reeves, there to protect them. And you fucking people are whining. It's it's amazing. I mean, every fan base on Twitter looks bad because everyone has a platform and most people shouldn't, so you make yourselves look stupid, but this week it was uh, the Ranger fan base making themselves look stupid by whining about Ryan Reeves, so it's just a short memory type thing, but anyway, I am ecstatic. I am beyond ecstatic that... Um, the Rangers signed Ryan Reeves and Tenorti. And uh, I am really looking forward to the Islander Ranger games this year because it's not just that I want to see Ross Johnson in there to fight Ryan Reeves. I want to see Ross Johnson in there to show everybody that he can play. And he can't show you that he can play if he's in the press box. So for those games against the Rangers, yeah, he's there as a deterrent to Reeves. Okay. But he's going to play and uh, I'm tired of people criticizing him. So, um, I'm really looking forward to these games this year. So it's it should be fun. So I want to thank uh, Drury. Well, I guess I, I should thank Gallant because obviously this is these are people Gallant wanted. Uh, and I guess him and Drury already have a good relationship where they're working together. So thank you, Gerard Gallant, former Islander assistant coach, uh, for, for bulking up. It's going to be fun for us Islander fans too. So with that being said, I want to introduce you to my man, darcy harris darcy harris here he played two years in kitchener he played three years pro in the canadians organization he played three years uh in university hockey and now he is i mean he's like i said he just makes me smile after hockey now he's a teacher he's teaching young minds and uh, i believe mrs harris is also a teacher so I have a ton of respect for teachers uh because obviously the children children in general need guidance, and I know for a fact with Darcy, I know what kind of a guy he is, I know what kind of character he has, I know how much he cares uh I know that I know for a fact the kids that are in his classes, I know they're getting a top education with someone who really cares about their future so um take a listen to Darcy Harris talking about Islanders enforcers. And uh, I'll see you at the end of the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. This is the third installment of Talking Isles Enforcers With, and today I have a very special guest, someone who I have been happy enough to call a friend since 1998. Thank you, Terry Ryan, for introducing me to my guest today, Darcy Harris, the pride of O'Leary PEI. Darcy, how's it going today?
0: It's going great, Joe. It's great to, great to hear your voice again. We do a lot of texting and, and messaging, but I, it's nice to hear your voice.
1: Yeah, I always enjoyed, uh, always enjoyed seeing you when you came. Well, I guess at that point it was Philly. I was living in Philly. Um, but I'd see you guys in, uh, in Hartford and, and everything else. And those are always fun trips, seeing uh, guys like you and TR and uh, Gordy and Ash and uh, Cheech and Big Jerry. I mean, those were, uh, those are some fun times for sure.
0: Yeah, those were great days. We had to, we had quite a tough team there too. Dave Morris, that Sylvain Blouin in that group too. And yeah, those were those were good days. You you seem to come to, you came to a lot of games. Like you you'd go to Springfield. Mm-hmm. We'd see a, you know, we'd see the odd time. And do you ever come to Worcester? I don't know yeah. if you ever went up there. Yeah, they yeah, come to Worcester mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. Lowell.
1: Well, the the good thing with you guys is if I was gonna make a trip up, you know, up the New England way um and i wanted to see a particular player if that guy was scratched then i was kind of screwed i mean the good thing is i could probably hang out with him in the stands for the game <laughs> but yeah. when i came to see you guys in freddie or quebec even if someone was like a game in uh, quebec where you had that great fight with david bell um i actually watched you f- I, w- I was there with friends but i had seen gordy and uh, joel terrio were scratched so actually when you fought bell i was actually sitting with those guys at the moment so
0: yeah
1: when, when uh, i was when I knew I was coming to see Freddie or Quebec, I knew no matter what, a few of you guys were at least going to be dressed. So that was always it uh, was always a definite. And then you know I had known Jerry a little bit uh, before you guys were in the league. So uh, so the, you guys were always worth the worth the drive, that's for sure. And you never disappointed.
0: Well, uh, you knew you were probably going to see a, a game with four or five fights because there was there was at least six or seven of us who who would and could do it. So
1: yeah no it was it was always fun time so i always enjoyed making the trip so uh so you always made it worthwhile like i said that That last time I think I saw you guys was in Quebec and in Springfield against Quebec. I think that might have been the last game where, uh, like I said, I got to meet Joel. And uh, yeah, that fight, the rematch with David Bell, that was fun. And
0: uh,
1: (laughs) always a good time. It it was me, Gordy and Joel in between periods going out buying hot dogs outside by the uh, where you guys enter the bus. There was a hot dog guy. The three of us are out (laughs) there scarfing down hot dogs in between periods. So it was fun. So uh, so I gave you the rundown of the uh, type of interview here By the way, for, for people that uh, may not know Darcy Or may not know a lot about him uh, Darcy has done, I think he did two interviews with Terry You just did an interview with him on his new show, Tales with TR But I think you also did an interview with him when he was doing the third man in, right? With the other two guys?
0: I did, yeah Yeah, so yeah.
1: so those interviews Yeah, with, I, I, uh, Oh, the with his buddies there from uh from Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I urge everybody, if you want to know more about Darcy's career, and also because Terry and Darcy played together for a few years, uh, they get into a lot of really good stories, a lot of good stuff, so uh, what we're going to do today here, we're going to talk to Darcy about some of the guys that he fought, some of the guys that he played with that have Islander connections, but if you want to know more about Darcy's career, first and foremost, go on YouTube. There's some really, really good tilts on there, but definitely check out those episodes of Terry Ryan's show because uh, they're really informative, and they're a lot of fun, So, so check those out but today darcy we're going to take it a little different direction we're going to start with your time in kitchener now i think what it's it's important for me to tell people is um darcy fought heavyweights but he was never a heavyweight and i confirmed this with him before i started recording darcy you never played over 200 pounds correct
0: no no and when i was in kitchener i wouldn't be I'd be lucky if I was 190 with change in my pockets, open wet kind of deal, but, yeah.
1: Well, that didn't stop you from uh, taking on some heavyweights here, so uh, I want to talk to you about some scraps you had with some of the guys, and uh, all these guys have Islander connections, and I guarantee you everybody listening has heard of all four of these boys. Uh, first off, uh, real good tilt with John Erskine, who was with the London Knights. Can you talk about that fight?
0: Yeah, so John, I think... I think he was, I think when we fought that year, I think he was an underage. Uh, so he, he was like 16 years old playing in the league. I would have been 18, I believe, at the time. Um, but he was fighting everybody in the OHL and, and tuning up most guys. And so we we kind of get into it. And I don't know, I, don't, he, I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't a very big guy. And I don't know if, if, I th- we said before we were having a chat before joe and you said that i surprised a lot of people so i think he thought in his head he was just going to ragdoll me because uh, we get into the fight and at the start of the fight if you watch it on youtube you can see he's trying to he's trying to what he's really trying to do is trying to hold both my arms with one hand he's pulling my my jersey in and trying to hold both sleeves with one hand and i just let him do it because i thought this is going to be funny he's i'm just going to he, there's no way he can do it, so I, I let him try to do it, and then I pulled my right back and just started feeding him at the start of the fight, but it is John Erskine, so it, I didn't hit him hard enough to, to knock him or anything. I get quite a few in the first part of the fight, and then he gets his balance back, gets a hold of my arm, and then we, we uh, kind of get squared off again, and it, I throw a lot less in the second half of the fight <laughs> as I did in the first, but, um, yeah, he's, he's a tough guy. He's no a tough guy. Was I know there was one career.
1: year that London was really bad. Now, do you remember if that was the year where they were? Just, I think it, they were just a horrible team one year. Is that the year? Do you remember?
0: Both years, I only played two years in the OHL, mm-hmm. and London was bad both years. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, one of the years I believe they had one of the years they believe they had four wins, and I think that was the year. Yeah, um, but two of those were against our Kitchener Rangers team, and we oh. were. At one point we were ranked tenth in the country we we were we were a good team we were <laughs> yeah. quite strong but uh Guelph is right down like literally right down the road. there's about fifteen twenty minutes between Kitchener and Guelph, mm-hmm. so that was our biggest rivalry okay. but nowadays and even then we were we were building a rivalry with London. but now, just to keep in touch with people in Kitchener, and now I think London has become one of the biggest rivalries uh in the ohl now kitchener and and london they the fan base especially just rip each other apart on social media it's it's more about the fan base than it is about the actual players but yeah
1: i i was uh because i was wondering like i think did they have uh and i could be completely wrong but did um london also have uh justin McPolin at the time too
0: they, my first year they did. Okay. Uh, not, I don't think he was, I don't think he played with John Erskine. I could oh. be wrong on that. John, I'm pretty sure it was my second okay. year, was okay. his first. And McPoleman was my first year. And he, he was, he was actually, he was, he would put fear into, into a lot of guys because he didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. he's a little wild.
1: Um, maybe was it um, Janshevsky, Jen, Janshevsky maybe was there? I'm trying to think they had Erskine, and then I think they had a forward that was tough, but not at Erskine's level. And I always wonder like, what it must be like to do that job on a really bad team.
0: Yeah, it can't be a whole lot of fun when you're yeah. going out there and you know, well, you don't know, but you're good chance you're going to lose a game, and yet you still have to go to war and battle somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't, can't imagine it was a whole lot of fun.
1: Um, another guy, another big dude that you fought, and I believe you fought him twice in the OHL was uh, Brandon Sugden, and I think everybody knows Sugden. They know his story. He actually played uh, in Washington, I believe, uh, a couple of games at least, and um, also played in the infamous Quebec League. But you got him early in, and Barry, I believe, he was there.
0: Yeah, I actually fought him three times in the OHL. He he was first with Sudbury. And we have a, there's a fight of us there somewhere. You can find it on YouTube too. Yeah. Um, my first year mm-hmm. he was in Sudbury and so we fought up there one night and it's a pretty good fight. We fought again. He got traded to Barry and his first game with Barry was in Kitchener. And before the game ever started um, in warm up, we kind of knew he was skating around, giving me the eyes. So, so both of us were starting mm-hmm. and, uh, he was skating around looking at me. I said, what do you, you want to go or what? And he's like, yeah, we're all going right off the bat. And I said, okay, but he was, he was infamous for coming out of his Jersey. There was no Rob Ray rule then. Right. So, uh, he was, I, t- I had a, my knuckle, my knuckle on my right. I, all I ever threw was rights. I rarely ever threw my left, but, uh, the knuckle of my, on my big finger on my, uh, on my right hand was broken. So I didn't cast it or nothing. It just, it wasn't such a big deal, I guess, but it, I, I told him. I showed him. Took the glove off. I said, "Look, my hand is busted up. You go tie that shirt down, and we'll go right off the bat." Then, so he goes over to the bench mm-hmm. and has the trainer. Yeah, I thought he was tying down. Made it look like he was tying down. Anyway, four seconds into the game, we drop the gloves and square off, and and we go at it. And it's, it was a really good fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't tie down. He came out of his stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was lucky enough that his jersey stayed on around his neck, and I had his jersey and his shoulder pads, and I there's a lot of, we're swinging in circles if you watch the fight and I, I catch him with a really good one that dropped him and, and then give him another uppercut while he's on his knees. But, um, that was, that was that fight and then we fought again in Barry and this one, he gets the better of me and this one, uh, it kind of came out of a scrum right after I was out of a scrum and the two of us get up swinging and after, his head in this one totally bare chest nothing to hang on to and so i have a hold of him by the back of the head trying to trying to swing and hit him and it's it's pretty good i i he won that one though but uh it's pretty even great guy um i know he's he's had some troubles over the last few years with the mental health which isn't uncommon lots of guys who who've done the same job end up in the same place but uh, just a great guy. I run into him when he was in the American league and I was done playing in the American league. I actually went to Newfoundland to Memorial university to get my education degree. And, uh, he was playing with maybe the Toronto Roadrunners at the time. I'm not sure who he was with, but he was with Syracuse crunch. Probably. Yeah. Um, they came into St. John's to play the Leafs, a couple of Islanders around the baby Leafs, then David Ling, Jason McDonald. So I used to go to a lot of the games, Terry and I, I lived with Terry Ryan when I was over there and, uh, we go to a lot of the games, and I remember going down to George Street after and running into Sugden down the street and, and uh, having a great chat with him. Just, he was a great guy. I th- still is a great guy, I'm sure. I haven't, haven't talked to him in years. But.
1: Yeah, I think he's doing better because I'm starting to see him more on uh, social media. Uh, he's starting to do some podcasts and everything, so uh, maybe he's at that point now where he's, he's good enough to do this stuff and maybe uh, tell his story and try to help other people.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's great to hear that because uh, just a great guy and, and tough guy and, and wish him nothing but the best, that's for sure.
1: Now, uh, the next guy is someone here that Islander fans are all too familiar with. He's uh, I call him a legend uh, for, for everything he's done here on Long Island. Uh, he was at a playoff game here, and he just gets swarmed with fans even to this day. And uh, the one thing that I say about Darcy, uh, he didn't have the heavyweight size, but, I think I mentioned it in the intro. He had uh, a granite of chin uh, chin of granite, also a head of granite, and the heart of a lion. And um, I think I could say the same thing about. <laughs> I could say the same thing about this next guy. Uh, and definitely those two attributes help you in fighting some of these big boys there, Darcy. Uh, you remember fighting Trevor Gillies of Oshawa.
0: Oh yeah, remember that all well I think same thing we fought twice. I think we fought once in the OHL he was with Oshawa. and then we fought in in Lowell one night in the American League. Um and I can see why he'd be swarmed with fans and in, in on the island. He like, he was like you said he he was had a heart of a lion but he he's a charismatic guy too. Like he's just a real likable guy and and uh, anyway, we fought in Oshawa, I'll be honest. I didn't really know a whole lot about him going in. Mm. Um, I knew he was tough, but I didn't didn't know a whole lot about him. And I, back then, in in the O, my time in the O, I didn't I didn't pay attention to really. I didn't pay attention to a whole lot of who was the tough guy on any team. I just it didn't matter to me. I would fight anybody at any time, and just I had no worries. I would throw toe to toe with anybody. I wasn't. I had no fear then uh about getting hurt little did i know that this guy was soon going to become a a real heavyweight but uh we had a we had a pretty good fight uh in kitchener uh one night and we 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 both threw we went toward was throwing lefts uh lefts to my rights and uh yeah it was a it was a real good fight and i remember after thinking jeez you know what? I don't know a whole lot about that guy. I, I friggin', I hit him with some good ones. He just, he just <laughs> ate them up. Didn't bother him one bit, you know? And so uh, I figured he was going to turn out to be somebody, somebody real tough. And then sure enough, a couple of years later, I think I was with Quebec. It, I was, I was with Quebec at the time. Uh, Fredericton, we would move to Quebec City and we're playing a lol, and Sure enough, he's there. And it's one of those things. Then I started paying attention to who was on each team. You start matching up, like okay, so we got Dave at Sylvan Blue, and they, they should take care of like Eric Cairns, and they like, start looking at matching matchups, right? Like who's gonna fight who, kind of deal. And uh, I was like, oh shit, Gillies is there, and I knew what this—I knew who he was. Now he was starting to make a name for himself, and like he's gonna wanna—he knows me, and he knows he could beat me probably, so he's gonna wanna fight me. So sure enough, we're uh, we're playing, and, and I'll be honest. There was probably a shift or two before that I probably could have fought because he was—he seemed to be kind of chasing me around a little bit, like not chasing me around. You know, he—he he was seeking to hit or see, you know, a late hit or something. It looked like he was kind of looking for it. So anyway, eventually we kind of come together and we go. So we, we fight this time, and I don't—I don't think that I don't—I haven't seen a video of this fight, but I can tell you one thing. I think it was fairly even, but he—he he hit me so hard in the nose right on the button uh my nose bled the entire game like the rest of the game i had it packed <laughs> we got on the bus and we bust back to quebec city from Lowell. and i don't think my nose stopped bleeding it didn't break the bus. it <laughs> bled for oh uh, it was hours probably bled for four or five hours and uh yeah he got he got me pretty good so it's, it's kind of funny because last year uh, this time last year, there were the Boys and Girls Club of Summerside does a golf tournament at my home course here in Mill River. And it's a celebrity tournament, so they have celebrities in. And so we're sitting right last year because of COVID here, it was mostly, we had what we call the Atlantic bubble. So I'm sure some of your American viewers may not uh, know really what I'm talking about, but there's, there's four Atlantic Canadian provinces, PEI, New Brunswick, like Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland. So really we had like a bubble. We could travel within our own provinces. Mm-hmm. Just those four, but nobody else from like Ontario, Quebec, from the other provinces, nobody from the states. The border was closed. And anyway, so the, their their pickings for for celebrities was limited. I still didn't make the cut. I was still there just to visit. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had had some guys in. So uh, Terry Ryan was there, Gordy Dwyer, they and uh, Trevor Gillies' name comes up, mm-hmm. and everybody around her, everybody around our table was was tough. Brett Gallant, Alex Gallant, both heavyweights in the American League. Uh, Darren Langdon was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Ling, everybody had a Gillies story. Yeah. So Brett Gallant and and Trevor Gillies are like they're they're really close. They played together for a few years. They're super close friends. And Terry played with them, and Terry's good friends. So sure enough, they call him. They figure they better call him, and uh, they get him on the phone, and they they just start basically passing the phone from one guy to the next. And he knew I I haven't seen the guys i haven't seen trevor gillies face to face i wouldn't have seen him in in oh god i don't know f- 15 years or or more and uh everybody soon as soon as they'd hold the phone up to his face he could tell you he'd be like oh he right away he picked me i said darcy harris you're even there he said jesus man what have you been up to we start talking he was just such a likable guy but super tough like um uh, he, he had a great career too and and uh yeah, I'm sure Islanders fans know him, know him real well.
1: Yeah. He, and his memory is unbelievable. So, you know, I do my interviews and compared to other shows, uh, my interviews run very long and um, there are certain players where I have more than one episode. I have to break it up into two. A uh, player like Mick Vakoda, I had to break it up into three. Well, Trevor, Trevor's career was so long and his memory is so good that so far we've done four episodes. They're about three hours each, and we still probably, <laughs> honestly, have at least another five hours to go. So uh, he's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he's just incredible.
0: I could see it. Yeah. He because even when he was talking to us, he everybody that we passed the phone to, he talked to them for fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. talking about he and I only fought twice, but he basically replayed them both, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, just I can see that he has a great memory. I can't remember anything. I have a horrible memory, <laughs> terrible thing for a school teacher. But I have a I have a bad memory. But um, some things will come back to me as yeah. you talk about them. But uh, yeah, as far as just picking that up and trying to remember certain things, it's yeah, he he has an knack for it.
1: Yeah, no, he's excellent. Uh, fourth guy, I want to ask you about another guy tough guy, NHL guy, uh, and I think you had one fight with him in in this game, but I think it, there might have been something that led up to it, and that was Kip Brennan of Sudbury.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know so, what that uh, is, but. We're, we're playing, uh, well, Sudbury, I have a buddy who's from Sudbury who played Jason Flick, he was a great goaltender, CIS Goalie of the Year. He played in Wichita, Thunder, anyway. Uh, Flicker's from Sudbury, and he said, you know, when you talk to him about Sudbury, he said, look, he said, it's not hell, but you can see it from there. (laughs) It's a mining town, and it's, uh, anyway, when when you went to Sudbury, that was my least favorite place to go. It, it was an old burn, still the same old barn. The Sudbury Wolves still playing out of it. Oh, wow. They'd pack everybody in there. They probably held about 5,000 people and they'd jam it full. And it was a dark rink. At the time when I was playing them, they had a great team. Tim Connolly played with Buffalo. Uh, who else was it? They had uh, Fisher. Mike Fisher played there. Okay. Um, they had three or four guys who had great NHL careers. And then they were tough. They had guys like Kip Brennan. And I wasn't even counting him as an NHLer either, but they, he was. He played in the NHL for a number of years. Like yeah. tough. Uh, he wasn't the only guy. They had a, a guy Paige, He was tough. There was anyway. Mm-hmm. Long story short, uh, when you went to play there, you knew it was it was going to be horrible. It was going to be a tough game, and they're probably going to beat you. And if they, you know, it's going to be close have a anyway, hard fought game all over the ice. Good goaltender Corey Cooper. He was from Prince Edward Island too. Actually, uh, he played up there. He's now one of the head coaches with the, with the uh, Belleville senators in the American league. Okay. Uh, actually, you know what? He was a goalie coach and now I, I think he might even be assistant GM or something like that. He had just got a new job recently, but anyway, um, my captain, Jason Burns that year, uh, the benches were on opposite sides. We played in the same lines. I was changing up and I get close to the bench and everybody's I can hear everybody kind of yelling. I turn around and I look and my captain is in a scrum at their bench. So, I turn on heel and I fly across the ice and I try to jump in the bench to take a swing at, I can't even remember if it was Scotty Page or I can't, I can't remember who it was exactly on the bench that, that I was taking a swing at, but I tried to dive in the bench. Not a good idea, but uh, Kip Brennan slides off the bench. When I do this, he slides off the bench and when they kind of, when they went I get back off the boards. He grabs a hold of me. The linesman had a hold of me. And he just starts wailing away at me. And one of the linesmen has me. And I can't even get my arms loose to kind of defend myself. So I'm just like kind of burying my head in the linesman's chest while Kip Brennan's wailing away in the back of my head. So that goes on for, you know, long enough. uh, But they, they get us all separated. And it was kind of like a line brawl going on on the ice. Anyway, Kip Brennan and I get penalties. They didn't notice they came off the bench, no suspension or anything, but we just get penalties. So we go to the penalty box. I think they might have given us five each for fighting or four-minute double minors. I'm not sure. So we get in the penalty box, and there's only a couple of minutes left in the game. It goes into overtime. And in overtime, Sudbury scores to win the game in overtime. So I'm picking my gloves up in the penalty box, and I look, and the benches are clearing. Both benches clear. I don't know what happened yet to this day, but both benches clear. They're heading into the corner. I look at him. He looks at me. We come out of the penalty box. We grab on. We start fighting again. Um, And this one, we're throwing a few, and then we kind of get tied up. You know, we're both trying to get the upper hand, get leverage on each other. And and while that's going on, my goaltender, Mike Gorman, comes up behind him and blockers him (laughs) with the blocker. (laughs) Uh, So that that one, that's on YouTube as well. If you YouTube, and I think it's Kitchener Rangers Brie Wolves bench brawl or something. And I think it shows you the whole kind of progression of what, what happened before overtime and then what happens in overtime. I think it kind of shows it all. But um, funny thing about that, I, was, I wasn't I was happy with him the first part of it. And I'm glad my goaltender blockered him. <laughs> and then I ended up getting suspended because that was my third fight that game. I'd fought Defoe earlier. So um, I get a suspension, but he got... I don't know why, but he ended up with a bigger suspension because we're supposed to play each other. Or maybe he gets suspended at a different game, but we're supposed to play each other like the next week or the week after. So everybody's kind of waiting for this, he and I, to square off and go at it. And Anyway, he was suspended, and we didn't play them again for the rest of that year. And uh, I think he was pretty miffed about that because on Canada Day, we're downtown uh, in Ottawa, and we run into—I think I mentioned this to you earlier. We run into Lance Galbraith. I, I went up to Ottawa for Canada Day with my buddies Wes Jarvis and Ryan Milan and Serge Paie, met us there, and uh, Brian Deuce, A few was from my Rangers team, and, and we're, we're downtown. and Lance Galbraith comes along. And we're chatting to him, and he's like, "Oh my God, Kip Brennan's here. He—he—he's gonna want to—he's gonna want to pound." You. And I was like, oh, great." But thank God, Ottawa's a big enough city. I didn't run into him. So, yeah.
1: Uh, what was it like playing against Lance Galbraith? Oh, he was a
0: shit disturber. God, he was he was tough to play against. Just constantly, he was like a. They had two guys there, him and Dan Tessier, mm-hmm. uh, who Dan was a good guy too. Actually, Dan was with us that that same trip, um, but to play against them, they were it'd be like playing against Claude Lemieux every night. Like they, they just were, oh, but Lance was a great hockey player too. Great hockey player. Um, But yeah, just, just torturous. They would stick in, turn away and, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to square off and fight with somebody who was, you know, super tough or anything, but they would fight. They they weren't scared to fight, but they they would. They're not going to fight against the heavyweight. They're going to fight against, you know, somebody who's middleweight or something. But uh, real, both of them, Dan Tessier and, but definitely Lance Galbraith, great hockey player, real good hockey player. And I would have loved to have him on my team, but I just hate it playing against him.
1: Well, that's how it always is, right? You hate the, yeah. they hate the rats, but when they're on your team, you know they're always like everybody hates Brad Marchand, yet everyone would take him <laughs> on their team in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, and you know what, Lance Galbraith in the OHL would have been very comparable to, to a Brad Marchand in the NHL. He was that good. He was one of the premier players in our league, uh, like offensive players. Um, but just, yeah, I, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a great guy. And I hope he's living a great life. But yeah. yeah, I hope he doesn't mind me saying it. But he was a shithead. He was, he was a tough guy to play against. Yeah, driving nuts.
1: Well, he, you know, he did play a little bit in uh, Bridgeport. So it's someone yeah. that. Uh, that I would uh I would like to get on the show. So I'll uh I'll what you would call it. I'll, I'll bring you up to him if I get him on the show. I'm sure he'll have a laugh about what you say because I'm sure everybody feels the same way about
0: him. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm sure so. they do. <laughs>
1: mm. Uh another guy uh that a former guest of the show that you would have played against in the OHL is Jeff Zare. You have any memories of playing against him?
0: I do. Again he, he was one of the one of the better goal scorers in our league. Um and he I think he would fight the odd time but yeah. uh, he was with Windsor and uh, I was with Kitchener and I don't know what he did to me yet. He did I, I remember I didn't honestly didn't get really mad playing hockey very often. Most of my fights when I'm fighting somebody I'm actually smiling and laughing and, mm-hmm. and it's it's not like you know, I rarely ever got mad but I remember really getting pissed off at him and I don't know what he did to me or or to one of my teammates. My memory's not that great. I just remember I was see in red. I wanted to tear his head clean off his shoulders. And anyway, we both ended up getting penalties and, and uh, we're in the penalty box and he was talking to me in the box. He's like, man, I'm not, I'm not fighting you. He said, you're out from the East coast. He said, you guys are crazy. He said, I'm not fighting. you." <laughs> and I was like, well, anyway, I just remember having that chat with him in the, in the penalty box in Windsor, which was another, as far as junior Barons go, another place that I did not enjoy playing hockey uh they had they had their fans were wild Mm -hmm. and they had a group of them that sat up it was an old burn they have a new one now but uh, up behind the uh, up behind our net it was like uh, elevated it was up above the glass before the upper little balcony started and it was steep and there'd be you know however many would seat up there about a hundred of them and it was mostly you know the local the local blue collar workers who were having a few beers and they just, they give it to you. It was a rough place to play too. They made it hard on you.
1: Well, we're going to talk about someone who played in Windsor, but we're going to talk about him in a few minutes because I know you fought him in pro a couple of times. But (laughs) let's move on to your time uh, with the Montreal organization in Fredericton. So uh, you played with a few guys. Uh, One of the guys I'm going to ask you about first, uh, former guest of the show, uh, someone I still keep in contact with, someone I love, I love him to death, and that's Aaron Asham. Uh, What are your memories of playing with Ash?
0: I got great memories of Ash. He was of of, of, a... Really, my, my friends in in Fredericton, Quebec days, it was Terry Ryan and Aaron Asham, and I got along really well. Scott King, uh, another fella in there, JF they're all good buddies. But like, I, I spent most of my time in Fredericton with with Terry and, and Ash, and uh, Ash's wife Nikki at the time, yeah. uh, his first wife Nikki, they had Aslan together. They were they were my girlfriend at the time. They were our closest friends. My girlfriend got along along really well with his wife, and mm-hmm. and uh, I get along really well with Ash. So, you know, both at the rink and away from the rink, I spent a lot of time with him. And um, great guy, just super tough too for the size of him. He was fearless and yeah. just throw hammers. Um, he had he had no fear. If you want any of his any of his fights he doesn't there's not much wrestling there's not much grabbing no. on he just likes to he likes to hold you out with his left and swing as hard as he can with his right so um yeah just an absolute beauty uh, still a good friend still talk to him uh the next year we moved to Quebec City uh he was up and down with Montreal but I remember he was being sent down and uh, he needed to borrow my truck which is just a little quarter ton truck but he had to go get his stuff in in Montreal and uh I was like, sure, you take the truck, but what do I get? I don't have anything to drive. <laughs> and he, he was just running up to Montreal to get his stuff for the day. And he's like, well, here, take my Corvette. He had a brand new, brand new Corvette, yellow Corvette. So I was like, yep, that's a fair trade. I'll take that for the day. So I ripped around Quebec City in his Corvette for the day. And anyway, yeah, no, great guy. Um, even that year when he was called up, I'd go up and watch a couple of games in Montreal because it was you know a couple hours from from uh, quebec city we'd yeah. go up and uh you know my girlfriend at the time her and i would travel up and and spend time with him and nicky and, and watch the game so yeah he was here too same thing uh that, that boys and girls club golf tournament he was here two years ago when mm-hmm. before COVID hit and yeah. uh we got to have a great visit he was here played three rounds of golf and we spent a few nights together it was great yeah he's awesome i love him yeah um
1: Another guy who I'm hoping to get on the show at some point is uh, Cheech Alain Nazardine, who's done very well for himself after he retired. Uh, what are your memories of playing with him?
0: Again, just a super super guy. Um, he was uh, in Fredericton. He was one of our veteran guys there. You know, it's not not he wasn't old or anything. He just was he had played several years pro at that point, and so such a steady defenseman um, and tough. He didn't fight a lot. He didn't have to, but when he did, he he could really throw them. And he lived, uh, him and his brother, Sammy, Uh, Sammy was up and down with our East Coast League team that year, and and they lived, a bunch of us lived in a, not the whole team, but quite a few of us lived in in a townhouse kind of complex there. They were all, we all had attached uh, townhouses, and, and Cheech was in the same compound there with us and spent a lot of time with him. It was great super super nice guy uh we moved to quebec city and same thing he was up and down a bit that year and when he was down he he lived in a bunch of us lived in stoneham just north of quebec city on a ski resort and he'd ski with us and uh i remember giving him a drive in uh i had my sister and brother-in-law had stopped in there on the way home from going out west and I just had a little quarter ton truck with a jump seat in the back. So there's really only three seats and Cheech needed to drive into the rink that day. And I was I had my sister and brother in law with me and I was like, Well, oh, pick you up too. And he he didn't have his car at home. So he's jammed in the back, sitting on the floor with his great big <laughs> knees up around his ears. And but uh again, just a super leader, great hockey player, um and and tough guy. But uh, really really smart and that's the it it doesn't surprise me that he's done so well in the coaching and i, I had, was hoping I, i've talked to him in the last couple of years but uh, a few years back you know the craft does the craft hockeyville stuff yes uh, so my hometown of O'Leary won it here in canada about three or four years ago and mm-hmm. when we had our we had our game uh they actually moved the game to summerside which is a bigger arena can hold more people and it was New Jersey and, and Ottawa. And he was coaching with New Jersey at the time, him and Ryan Clough, who's a buddy of mine. and yeah. Uh, Roley the goalie, Roley Melanson was a goalie yeah. coach who was our goalie coach in Fredericton. So I knew him and Jeff Ward was assistant coach there at the time. And Jeff Ward coached me in Kitchener. So I knew all the assistant coaches and I, so I was wanting to get out and, and see them all, but, Cheech and and Wardy, they stayed back in New Jersey. They had a split squad, uh-huh. so they, they said. So at least I got the I the visit with Chloe and Roley. But uh, so that they give me. That's how I actually got in touch with Cheech to give me his number, and mm-hmm. uh, I shot him a message. And I mean, I've talked to him a few times since. But yeah, he's doing great. Doing yeah. great. Uh,
1: another guy uh, got into coaching after he retired. Uh, Gordy Dwyer. Uh, what yeah. are your memories of playing with the, the Ginger Ninja?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly that's exactly my, my <laughs> memories of playing with Gordy he he also when he was each year it kind of come down to Gordy and I believe yeah. it or not on, yeah. on who was going to kind of stick full-time in Fredericton or Quebec City and um, he was up and down a bit uh, our first year with Fredericton but when uh, when he was up he lived in that same kind of compound that we were all in and the ginger ninja that's a good way to good way to put it we used to we used to call him the red-headed freak but that was probably a little too harsh i hope he, he doesn't was, mind
1: he's... that i called him the ginger ninja
0: <laughs> well i hope he doesn't mind i call him the red-headed freak <laughs> he's uh he's still a good friend i still see yeah. gordy our kids actually play play against each other okay uh yeah my my son and and he has three boys and, and one of his his youngest i believe it's his youngest yeah um they they play against each other. I think they're both 2010s. Um, so I see Gordy quite a bit this year. He was home. He didn't didn't go away and coach this year. So he actually coached against me. I was coaching my kids' team, and he was coaching his. So uh, we had great it's great memories with Gordy. And he, and he lives on PEI in the summers. So yeah. um, I, I do get to see him. I don't spend as much time with him as I wish I did. got to. He he is we we were really close. Yeah. Um. Even though we were always kind of battling for the last permanent roster spot. Um. We, we became really good friends. We roomed together in Fredericton at a hotel for months. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we we had we moved to those that complex there. We had uh, rooms by each other. And then th- same thing, Quebec City kind of come down to the two of us. And, and when they were sending Gordy down, I, I don't blame him, but he's good enough to play in the American League. And he said, no, I'm not going. Trade yeah. me. And he ended up getting his trade. Yeah. And they traded him to Tampa. He spent a few weeks maybe in Detroit. Uh, in the ihl and then bang up to tampa and and stuck in the nhl so um just he's a he's a great story a great guy and he's in the coaching business now too and uh his family man uh super tough guy he'd fight anybody yeah um strong strong guy had a great snapshot too but yeah yeah really really liked Gordy. Gordy, we were we were and still are great friends we don't see each other very much but uh yeah great guy
1: yeah, when he was uh, with Detroit, and then later with Tampa, it was, he had a nice little uh, tag team going with Kyle Friedrich there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I went to Canucks camp with Kyle Friedrich, so I knew him too. But they were, hes a big boy. He's yeah. a very, very tall, very tall man. Yeah. strong as an ox. But um, yeah, yeah, Gordy, Gordy made—he—he he done very well for himself. Yeah, he has a lot to be proud of. So,
1: uh, and uh, last guy that. Um, you encountered I guess you were never I guess you were a teammate in camp uh you uh you got to know a very young uh recently drafted Matt Karkner who I think some people forget was actually drafted by Montreal
0: yeah he uh he was drafted by the Habs and and when we got to Quebec City after camp in Montreal and I believe that year the Montreal camp was extremely long too um Anyway, when we, I think, I'm thinking this was probably my second year in Quebec, the the year that I ended up actually coming home. But yeah, um, he, he and I were roommates at the Chateau Bon Entente in, uh, in in Quebec City. Isn't that the same? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, we, we roomed together there for Jesus again. It seems like, seems like it was a month. You spend, you spend a few weeks in a hotel, and, and it seems like a month, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it seemed like a really long stretch, really long camp. But, yeah, Kirk, so he was ooh, super, super tough guy. Yeah. Big man, strong as an ox, could take a punch and give a punch. And, um, he was good, good good player, too. You know, he, yeah. he could play. And uh, I think people forget that sometimes. I think these tough guys, they're they're just there because they can fight. But a lot of them can friggin' play, too. Mm-hmm uh karks was a great guy he had a great career great yeah. nhl career it was great to watch him uh i don't think i've seen or spoken to him since but i know he is he played in peterborough yeah uh so he was good friends with a couple of my really good buddies that i played with at upei and and uh still great friends with them still some of my closest friends with chris mcphee and john Brio. they they knew karker quite well so they they were always kind of keeping in touch with him through his nhl career and I, I get snippets of how he's doing and stuff through them, but never spoke to him in, in years. So if he hears this, uh, g'day, Matt. He's a great guy.
1: Well, I'll tell him because uh, he is scheduled to appear on the show. We're just waiting for the right time. But, uh, but yeah, he uh, he finished his career with uh, Bridgeport. You know, I understand him down, played at Bridgeport, then jumped right into coaching. So he's uh, he's on Brent Thompson's uh, staff down there. So he's assistant coach in Bridgeport.
0: Well, great. I didn't know that. Yep. Good for him. He, and again, he'd be great at that. Great, great hockey mind. He yeah. was, uh, and, uh Melanson told me that one time I, I run into him in, um, at, uh, oh, where was it? it? was at the, at the, uh, Memorial cup. It was in Moncton and that was years ago and Moncton hosted it, but Roly's son was playing in it. And I went to the game and Roly just, he's from Shediac, which is just outside Moncton. And, um, I seen him in the stands, was talking to him, and he asked what I was doing. I was coaching a little bit at the time myself, coaching. I didn't have kids or anything at this point. It was just uh, my first year teaching and was coaching major midget. And we hosted the national championships that year. And, and he said then, he goes, you'd be a great coach. He said, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's you guys, it's your third, fourth liners and and the tough guys. You totally you understand the entire game and, and you have a great mind for it. You'd be great at it. And I'd say that's the same idea with character. With character, he just he'd have that mind for it. He he understands the game so well and can see it from everybody's perspective, not just your top end guys, you know. He he sees sees the whole game. So hope he has a good career at it. Yeah,
1: me too. Me too. Um so now let's get on to some of the guys you fought in pro. Uh now now Montreal, I think a lot of people are familiar with uh, these round robin tournaments that happen. <laughs> and uh Montreal was no stranger to that. You guys did some round robins with uh Tampa and uh, Toronto, Carolina and uh Florida. And uh, I think you hooked up with a really young lion at the time named Eric Goddard. Uh, you caught him when he was young. Uh, what were your recollections about fighting the Hand of God?
0: I think I'm just very fortunate that I caught him when he was young, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I survived to tell the tale. He, uh, yeah, he he was big and strong and tough then. But though, like you said, those those tournaments, ah, uh, they should have been. I don't know what they should have been burned or so it was crazy <laughs> but I, I remember going to them thinking uh, like the very first one I went to I had a tryout in, in Vancouver the year before but Vancouver didn't there was no rookie camp no rookie tournament nothing it was just main camp they had like 60 players there and they made cuts and sent sent me home first cut but I lasted a week there it was great uh get drafted by Montreal then go to Montreal's camp and I'm in Kitchener beforehand because I figure I'm going back to juniors so I report to kitchener's camp and uh went through a few weeks had a couple exhibition games a couple fights in there shane kenny a couple of them anyway they go to this have to go to montreal leave kitchener go to montreal so i fly up to montreal to do my fitness testing and a couple of couple of skates and then we go back to kitchener for this uh rookie tournament actually i think the goddard one might have been in hull i think okay. it was my net i think it was my second year maybe okay. but these these tournaments were nuts um <laughs> I remember after the first one, the first couple games, I was I was thinking I'm not gonna be able to keep up. I'm gonna look foolish out there because I can't skate well enough. I didn't think I was up to par. Um, but I was. I, I was fine. but once you get into the games I realize these are these are just gong shows. This is just there's like seven, eight fights every game. I can do this. I can do this all day. <laughs> so uh, the one in Hall, yeah, uh, Tampa was at that one, you're right. And uh, they actually ended up going home. They didn't, (laughs) they bailed on it after a (laughs) a couple of games. They're like, no, this They they called Friedrich. And I think that was about it. Mm. Um, So they played, played a few games and they're like, no, this is not what we signed up for. (laughs) Uh, So they bailed on it. But uh, yeah, I fought Goddard there and it was a good fight. But he, like you said, I'm just lucky that it was not five years later. Uh, I don't think it would have turned out as well as, as it did, but <laughs> super tough guy. Yeah.
1: Um, next three guys, uh, just coincidentally, we're going to go in size order. Uh, first <laughs> guy is the guy that uh, I had mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about Windsor, and I think he was just uh, like a super prospect at the time. Um, then you fought him a couple of times when he was with uh, St. John's, and now mm-hmm. he's the head coach in Ottawa, and that's DJ Smith.
0: Yeah, DJ was, uh, well, I, it's funny, I played against him in junior, but we never fought. He had another guy there, Drew Felder, who was kind of like the, I don't know, Drew would, like, DJ was a heavyweight, but he was a great player. We actually tried to get him at the trade deadline mm-hmm. um, on that team at Kitchener that was ranked 10th in the country, and, and Windsor wouldn't give him up. Or one, was asking too much for him. And, um, he was a great player. Uh, he was their captain, but he, he was super tough and uh drew felder used to kind of do the pro but maybe he'd he'd fight he'd fight different guys and then dj would kind of see whether or not he had to i think if anybody pounded drew pretty good then then dj might be like all right there young fella i'll settle this <laughs> uh so we never actually fought in junior mm-hmm. um but in pro i was still on a try i hadn't signed my i hadn't signed my contract yet uh, and it was i think it was exhibition no it might have been the first First couple league games, we were in St. John's Mm -hmm. playing the Leafs. And uh, I had two shifts that game, I think. And my first shift, I fought DJ Smith. We (laughs) we get at it in the corner, and it looks great on TV. There's not a whole lot of punches that really land it with any force, but we just kind of stand there and throw toe-to-toe back and forth, back Mm -hmm. and forth. Uh, My second shift, I think I fought Thornton. Sean Thornton was my second one. So I don't think I had a third shift. I think that was (laughs) kind of it, but... Uh, I didn't. I didn't pick my spots very well. Two tough guys, but the first <laughs> one didn't really. No real damage done. We it looked great, um, and then we fought again in Fredericton. I think it was the very next next time we played each other, back in Fredericton. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what started it. He, he might have just been a little ticked off that I hung in there with him so well. So <laughs> he might have wanted to do it again. So uh, and again, it was good. I I hung in. I did. I did fine, but. Uh, there was more solid blows land in this one. And I think he either, I think he did give me a little cut in that one. I think he might've cut me under the, under the eye, but it doesn't, it's not a great video job. Remember this is done (laughs) from (laughs) not the way it's done today. It was done from an actual camcorder and some dudes being paid chicken Mm -hmm. feed to sit up there and record the game. Uh, it's not great footage of the fight, but, uh, Yes, it's. It was, I still did all right. But, he, yeah, again, he, he was a tough guy. He didn't fight a ton, right. um, but he didn't really have to. He was a great hockey player.
1: Well, yeah. speaking of the video guys, actually, like I told you before we started recording, I was watching your fight yesterday, and the video guy in St. John's and Fredericton were aces compared to your guy in Kitchener and some of these OHL bars. Oh, because yeah. some of these are from – like you had mentioned that you fought Sugden when he was with Sudbury – I thought that it was Sugden that you were fighting, but you can't tell because it's a mile away. Oh, well, yeah. I saw you fighting this big dude on on Sudbury, so I wasn't sure that was him. But
0: oh, um, the one from behind the net—that's I think that's actually Kyle Defoe. Oh, okay, he, okay. he, he was super tall.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah so, that. but but the uh, it's so funny. Like I think it really depends on who's doing the video. It's almost like if the guy doing the video is into the fights. You could tell because they'd always zoom in and everything. And then, if it was just someone there that didn't give a fuck, they were just like, "Ah, oh, whatever." I'll just
0: fool yeah. You well, know? I could I can tell you for a fact in Kitchener, it was whoever was scratched who was sitting out that game. Oh, is they, that right? Who was a player <laughs> who was doing the recording? Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it isn't now. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Quite a difference there now.
1: Oh, all uh, right. So next two guys, both big defensemen, both with the Lowell Lock monsters, His first guy is Dean Malcock.
0: Yeah, he, he wasn't happy with me. Um <laughs> I kinda of, I kinda of went after him, I guess, a little bit. And he had he had already played in the NHL for a while. Like he and I was just a young punk. I did I anyway, yeah. we kinda I think I just hit him behind the net, hit him late. He was mad that I that I actually took a run at him and hit him late. Uh so he kinda like give me a whack or something. So I turned around. I just I grabbed onto him and he didn't have his shirt tied down. I said, I, I don't know if he fought a ton either, did he? He did. He did? Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, he did. Good. I'm I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> but... Especially
1: especially early. He was a devil's draft pick. So uh yeah. Utica Albany days he fought a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, he he was not happy with me because I when he whacked me, I turned around and just if you whack somebody, you gotta be prepared, right? So I just turned around. I I threw the gloves off and grabbed onto him and I had his jersey come up over his head. I kind of had him caught in his jersey. Yeah. And I I did. I cracked him a few really good. Cracks right in the beak. Yeah. Um, but I remember when the Lions didn't get in there to break us up and, and he was pulling his shirt down, he was so pissed at me. <laughs> he was just giving it to me. But uh, whatever. Too bad. Blood <laughs> his nose. So,
1: <laughs> Well, there's someone else that uh, was bigger than <laughs> Dean Malcock on Lowell. Uh, I think it was a game later in the season. And actually, I think you just happened to be in a wrong, wrong place, wrong place. time. Because <laughs> I think it actually started with someone on, on your team I think took a shot at someone on Lowell and yeah. then big Eric Cairns came in and then I'm guessing Darcy Harris surveyed the situation and said, well, I guess I'm the toughest guy on the ice for us. And then uh, <laughs> you guys kind of came face to chest, I guess I would say. <laughs> so you remember That's... that incident with uh, Eric Cairns?
0: You're pretty, you're pretty much bang on and all of <laughs> that. Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, it was, it was Alan Nazardine actually. It was Cheech. And I don't remember who he took a poke at somebody mm-hmm. kind of behind the play. And things all kind of swung around everybody's turn, and I looked, and and uh, I didn't realize how close I was to Karen's. He just happened to be in front of me as we're kind of skating back to the to the what was going on, yeah. and he then takes a bit of a poke at Cheech, mm-hmm. and when he turned, he was turning expecting he he was skating by Cheech, and he kind of took a little poke at him, and he was he would turn expecting someone be there to stick up for teacher or, or cheech himself to be going. And I just happened to be right on his heels and he turned and looked at me and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> so anyway, the gloves come off and thank God the linesman jumped in there pretty quick, but yeah. we, uh, we did get the gloves off mm-hmm. and we were throwing a few punches, but I remember when the lines would get in there to break us up and we're, we're kind of spinning around. If you look close, I know it's bad video. But you can, you can see me smirking. I was, I was laughing and saying, do you think I was literally saying this to him, I said, do you think I was coming after you? Like, come on, man. He I wouldn't have been up to his shoulders. He was yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big guy. But yeah, I'm just before that, maybe I don't know if it's a game we played before that or two games before that. Um our our guy Dave Morissette mm-hmm. fought him mm-hmm. and he he did up moose pretty good and moose was super yeah, tough yep. and uh he blackened both moose's eyes moose was just not he didn't have the height yeah moose was i don't think he'd be six feet uh he's probably six feet wide yeah, square was- square as mm-hmm. a truck but um he fought cairns and cairns had done him up pretty good so i had no intentions of fighting <laughs> Eric cairns i just happened to not be paying attention to who i was following back towards the the melee and yeah I kind of get struck into that. Thank God the lines had enough sense to realize this little fellow's not going to handle him. (laughs) They get in there pretty quick.
1: So um, as I've discussed with other guests, someone like Eric Bolton, uh, maritime guys are, you guys are different breed. I don't know what it is up there. If it's the water, you guys are tough, like really tough guys. And uh, some guys that are from PEI that have Islander connections. Now we already discussed two of them. And I think with the, uh, with your age and their ages, you don't really have know much about them. Uh, uh, Kevin Devine, who is now uh, one of the big wigs with the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, of course, everybody here knows Ross Johnston. Uh, you don't know much about, I mean, you know enough about them, but not anything where you really know them. Um, but there's two guys I want to ask you about. Uh, one guy you already mentioned before, Brett Gallant and uh, Nate McKeever. Uh, what do you, yeah. what do you know about those guys?
0: Oh, great, great guys. Uh, Brett actually just re-signed. He's going back for, for another year in, in the American League with Cleveland, I believe, this year. Yeah. Um, and if, uh, Islanders fans, I'm sure, if, if they if they're like the tough guys, they know exactly who Brett is. And if you've ever seen him or met him, he, I don't understand. Nobody understands how he does what he does. And his younger brother, Alex, mm-hmm. is the same. There's not much to them. They're not. I'm not saying they're t- but they are they're super super tough and their old man pinky he had his nickname was pinky glant uh legendary here on pei for being for the same for being tough and now pinky was more there was he was heavier he was there was he was solid thick uh but didn't quite have any height to him uh but super super tough here on the island and are in junior and senior hockey and uh but the boys, Alex and Brett, same thing. They have they have another brother, Brad, who's older, who's also super tough. He's a teacher now too, but you don't you don't mess around in our school system up here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he uh, Brett's just a super likable guy, uh, real real nice, down to earth guy to talk to, just salt of the earth. And but he is tough, tough, tough. His right hand, uh, it's I mean, he's been in enough fights now his hands pretty mangled and uh he's going to be full of arthritis when he's done but um he can throw with both hands but my god when he hits somebody with his right it's it's literally like a cinder block yeah i don't know like, i'd like to see hardest punchers uh see what their what the psi is what their pounds per square inch is he he would have to be up there because he sure does a lot of damage for a man who's not all that big uh, but just a, a a real great guy and he's great in the community you know, he works with, uh, Billy McGwigan in, in Summerside there with Tenacity Hockey. They, they gives back to the community with the hockey schools and, and, um, he, he's always at golf tournaments and yeah, just a, just a real salt of the earth type guy. Yeah. And then Nathan McKeever, I've known Nathan since he was just a wee little lad, since he was a little young pup. Uh, I used to work at Andrews hockey school, uh, another great hockey school here in the island. it's, it's. Uh, Sidney Crosby and and Brad Marchand and Nathan McKinnon they've all gone through Andrew's hockey school. People come from all over the world to go to it. Uh, believe it or not, I used to teach people how to skate there. Was, wow. <laughs> I was one of, the, one of the head instructors there for years. But um, yeah, Nathan came through the system, came through the, the Andrew's program, and then became one of the instructors there. And I worked alongside him for years and. Uh, actually, became really good friends with him there for, for a few years. He was he was one of the boys, younger younger than a lot of us, but mm-hmm. uh just a great guy. Um, and again, big, strong, tough guy. And you're right. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's the winters we gotta endure or what. I don't know what it is that makes us Islanders mm-hmm. tough, but uh quite if there is most of the hockey players who come from here feel even. You look like the David Lings. David Ling would fight anybody, long career. Uh, The other day, I just had uh, friends I played uh, at university with. We all have a chat group there. Joel Ward played with San Jose, um, Nashville. And then he played with – he lived with me at UPEI. um, He's in the group there. They were talking about uh, one of the guys, Adam Revey, was skating with uh, Charlie Simmer, former 50-goal scorer in the NHL down in Texas. And he said, he mentioned to him that he had played at UPI, and he, he mentioned Al McAdams' name. Al played for years in the NHL yep. um, and was known mostly as a point producer, especially on the line, he was on a line there in Minnesota uh, with the North Stars that, that had so many points. But he he said also that Al McAdams was also the toughest guy he ever played with. Oh, so wow. that, was a, that was a goal scorer in the NHL who was seen as a super tough guy too. So, yeah, they just... All islanders, Gregalantz, another fellow that I'm sure we'll talk about soon too, but he, super, super tough. Um, you know, he was the real heavyweight there until Joey Kosher and, and Bob Prober come along. He was he was really Stevie Eisman's protector for for a lot of years. And I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure what it is about. It. There's skill here too, like Brad Richards, one of the yeah, you know, arguably one of the most skilled hockey players uh, to play to play the game. Um, he's from the island, but. We are. We're we tough breed, a little different, I guess. Must be all the a lot of rink dances and stuff. We're rural, right? So there's a lot of a lot of dances, rink dances and legion dances, a lot of fighting goes on after when everybody's all little feeling a little tipsy at the end of the night. But that or the cold winters, I don't know. I am not not sure what does it.
1: I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that you were a skating coach.
0: well i was more there for my ability to teach oh yeah well that
1: you can do that's it's almost like do as i say not as i do
0: exactly i got you
1: i got you well you just brought him up let's talk about gerard gallant uh former assistant coach with the Islanders and um, Gerard Gallant, I'm sure has no idea who I am and doesn't listen to the show, but I would like to thank him very much as I'm sure he had the uh, major influence on the Rangers acquiring Ryan Reeves, which I talked about in my intro, which means that Ryan Reeves is going to play with the Rangers, which means that when the Rangers play the Islanders, we're going to see another tough Islander, Ross Johnston. (laughs) So Gerard Gallant, thank you very much. But I know Darcy, I know, uh, I know, uh, Gerard played a big role in your career, so if you don't mind, uh, just talking a little bit about Gerard Gallant.
0: Yeah, he really, uh, outside my my family, outside my parents, um, be, it'd be between him and and Alan Andrews, who runs the hockey school. Between him and Gerard Gallant, would be my my biggest influences in the game. Um, we we all call him Turk here in the island, and, and he from a young age he i'm not really sure where or how or why we we're we lived probably about 40 minutes apart but uh he really took me in under his wing. when i remember being a midget and him being home skating in the summers and and they'd invite me down to skate with him in summerside in the evenings and um when he was done kind of done playing his pro he'd bring me up uh he had like, we're talking in the nineties, right, he he bring me up a big stationary bike with computer screen on it. There, and he'd tell me, get on the bike, young fella, make sure you're make sure you're in shape. But like he he really did look after me and and uh, encourage me and, and give me all kinds of tips and, and try to try to improve me as a as a player and as a person. And um, I was fortunate enough to have him. Uh, as a coach in Summerside in the Maritime Junior League before I went away to play in Kitchener and I'm, I'm really sure without him coaching that team I may never have left the island. Uh, I mean Darren Langdon did it before me. He had he had gone on to, to the Rangers and, and uh, but uh, we had another young fellow Morgan Warren playing with us who was actually first year, second year Bantam. I was second year Midget and he was second year Bantam playing playing junior hockey and Turk would be calling some scouts and say, listen, you got to come, you got to come see these two kids They're They should be playing somewhere else. And so I, I really do think he had a big part to play in me, uh, being drafted to the OHL and getting me out of, getting me off the Island. And, uh, but he, he taught me so much in one year, in one half year, really, because he, he had started the year in the IHL playing, playing, uh, with Detroit Vipers and, and ended up coming back home, uh, retiring totally from hockey and, and coming back home. But, uh, taught me about winning and losing, and preparing for games, and and uh, you know, taught me how to how to be, how to be a man out there and not not uh, get bullied around, it. and not not in a way he never would tap you on the shoulder, and there was none of that, um, but just his passion and grit and pure determination, and uh, he just taught me not you don't give up, you don't give an inch to anybody. You make everybody earn every inch around you. You know, you give, you give nothing, and ask for nothing in return. And, and uh, I guess that kind of model—that's my play after his. I wasn't near as talented as him. He had a lot of great years in Detroit there with the, with the Red Wings. But um, and he's just such a fantastic coach. Easy to talk to. He's a everybody says a great. Just such a great players coach. Um, he gets the most out of his players he genuinely cares about his players um genuinely cares about their personal success not just not just the team success but he has it he knows game in game out who's who's working and who's not like who's performing and who's not and he's not scared to to just go with those guys it's not always your top six that he'll run with you know it's it's whoever's going that night and he seems to have a real feel for that he's a real pulse in the dressing room and um yeah just a super super great guy i'm so thankful to have him uh when I was younger to have him kind of be involved in my career and, and get me going. he used to call cause I wasn't the biggest guy. Like you said, I'm not a, I'm not a big guy. And uh, he'd call me, you know, he'd be watching that. He, I think he was coaching in the American league in Louisville and he'd be reading the box scores and stuff. And he'd be like, give me a call. And he'd be like, what the fuck are you doing you know <laughs> yeah. what were you doing fighting Karen's last night as well, I'll relax It wasn't quite a fight, it wasn't you know, or uh you know you fought Troy Crowder last night what are you doing and anyway, he was always kind of looking out for me even when even when we we weren't uh in the same vicinity, he always kind of was like watching over me. I remember when I went to Kitchener uh he actually was he was up in Kitchener for a ball and he uh, he made sure he came by the rink and took me out for supper and he was always doing those kinds of things. So, yeah, real great influence. And then anybody from Summerside, anybody from the island can say the same. I'm sure he had a big part to play in Brett and Alex Gallant's career too. And, and uh, just just such a great, great guy to have in your corner for sure.
1: Well, as much as I liked him as a player and as I liked him when he was here as an assistant coach with the Islanders, I can only wish him a limited amount of success now with the Rangers. <laughs> uh, so hopefully in his next job, he does very, very well, but here I'd, I wish him a, a, a moderate level of success. Let's say uh, I don't want his name on the cup anytime soon, not with the Rangers. But I do think they made a wise choice. I think he's, uh, I think he's the right coach with all the young talent they have, and I think um, I think him and Drury are going to make a nice combo there. But again, uh, as much as I like the guy, let's hope that uh, he's more successful in his next gig than he is in this one. But uh, but I am I am happy he's there. Like I said, bringing in. Ree- Bringing in Jarrett Tenorti. I love it. Uh, Islander games and Ranger games are only going to be that much more intense. So,
0: oh yeah, New Yorkers have a lot to look forward to this coming year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them go head to head. And okay. and Islanders, man, you like, Trotz, you can't you can't have you can't ask for a better guy. He he just um, I, I know I mentioned Joel earlier. Joel Ward had him yep. in Washington, and he said just every team who needs to turn around, you know, kind of. I'm not saying that they had a bad a bad room or anything in New York before, but um, he said, if a team needs someone to come in and change the culture and change the atmosphere, trots is the guy. He, he's the guy you want to have. He said, he just totally, again, same similar as Turk. He said that he's, he's a guy who just genuinely cares about each and every player. And that just kind of, that changes the atmosphere in the room. It's not, it's not a group of individuals playing for their own contracts. It's a team. They're in this together. It's a, it's a family thing. So,
1: well, yeah. we're lucky here that, you know, we have Barry Trotz as a coach now and we have Lou Lamarillo as a GM because, yes. and I actually said it, I recorded the intro to this before we started talking. And, I, you know, unless you're old, like an old man like me that you remember the Arbor and Bill Torrey days, in between Arbor and Tory and Lou and Barry Trotz, uh, there's a lot of controversy in there, like not the least of which, like you go through the Mike Milbury years and everything. And yeah. I think a lot of people, they just, are they have to sort of, Um, recalibrate their thought process because now you finally have adults in charge. You have Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo where for the longest time you didn't and like we're so fortunate now as fans to have Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo and uh, I'm sure when Lou decides to retire I know his son is um, he does all the Bridgeport stuff and I'm sure he'll probably take over when Lou, if Lou ever retires Um, so like the foundation here for Islanders fans, I mean the sky's the limit, you know, It's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, it really is. That the organization has done a great job the last few years, because um, there was there was some dark years in there. You're oh, right, yeah. and, uh, but uh, we'll not bring those up. That's-
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Darcy, you're gonna. This is like I said, the third installment of this series, and I don't think I did it with Killer and Rooms, but uh, what I think I want to do from now on, I want to end the episodes with a, a good story um, from that from your career uh could be on the ice could be off the ice now you and I already discussed which story I'd like you to tell because I've I've heard it a million times Uh, (laughs) I know it's a favorite of mine I know Terry Ryan loves it and uh just I always like hearing the story and and the best stories are always best when they come right from the source so uh when we end this episode right now could you please tell the story that you know I'm talking about (laughs)
0: <laughs> if i'd have known then that this that i'd have to talk about this <laughs> several times i wouldn't have done it at the time but our uh our team in Fredericton, we were uh i think we were probably infamous for doing stupid things for money like if, if, if it was just sheer boredom terry ryan would come up with these ideas hey how much for you to do this how much for you to do that like we we would Everybody would gather, oh, here, I'll throw in 40 for that, or I'll throw in 30. For, you know, gather up 100 bucks and somebody do something foolish, like, you know, whatever, walk across the friggin' restaurant in their underwear or something, it's just <laughs> foolish stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I remember us, we had Joel Terrio, we had him eat whiskers, <laughs> a tin of whiskers. Oh, the
1: cat food? <laughs> the cat food. Okay. <laughs>
0: and, anyway, so we were, we were in Providence, and I believe we're at, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but there's a steak. There's a steak restaurant down there, a steak house that we used to love to go to. And I believe we were there having a meal. And again, Terry was always coming up. And I think he got it from David Ling, actually. David Ling was famous for this too, always trying to get somebody to do something stupid that he didn't want to do himself, but he'd love to see somebody else do. (laughs) So anyway, Terry come up his how much to eat this there was you remember that like you go out to eat and have they look like little golf balls the balls of butter. Yep. Mm Yeah, so there's a bunch of those sitting on the table in the middle. And he like put a, like a, a large soup spoon just round it. Like it couldn't hold. I don't know how many of them, the butter balls were on it, but how much to eat this? I was like, I'm not eating that. He's like, yeah, how much, how much? And I was like, oh, I don't know, whatever, what he's got. So they all start throwing money. And <laughs> I, there might have been like 75 bucks. And I was thinking, no big deal. What's the difference? I'll, so what? I'll eat some butter. I didn't have I didn't have a whole lot of money at that time. It was my first year, and I still might have been on my PTO. I still may not have had my contract signed at that point. So, um, yeah, sure, I'll eat that seventy-five bucks. So, uh, any anyway, American, no less, it was Yo, wow. worth a lot more than Canadian. So, yeah, I ate it, and uh, I didn't feel too bad after. It was gross, but uh, I didn't feel too bad after. I think it took the money, and we went down to Abercrombie and Fitch after and got myself an outfit or something. And then uh, I remember. Uh, the next, coming on the end of the evening, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling so good. And uh, the next morning too, I was like, what is going on with me? But no wonder you throw, it'd be, I don't know. If you looked at like a block of butter, I bet you it was like half a block of butter. Ugh. I ate that. And the next day, my gosh, it was disgusting. Uh, I. <laughs> Go to the washroom. <laughs> it was not. It wasn't good. Don't don't do it at home. If anybody's <laughs> listening, you don't don't eat that much butter. It's not good for you. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't go through your system so well. But, uh, uh, I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry was always there. Every, it wasn't just him, I guess, but that was kind of that's kind of what we did for entertainment. Mm-hmm. You'd be bored and looking for something to do. Hey, what's something stupid we could do? Who will do it? You know, and how much are we going to have to pay them to do it? Oh,
1: well, listen, you guys, you get a bunch of young, young guys sitting together at a table and you're with each other all the time. You're always talking. All it takes is one guy to look at the table and go, Hmm what can we yeah. do here and then it just goes <laughs> from there so and you know the the best friends your best friends are always the ones that want to fuck with you anyway so oh, yeah. you know it's it just uh it writes itself
0: yeah and we were young i I was 19 when i was mm-hmm. playing in the american like, like i was 19 years old when i did that um terry would have only been 21 i think ash would have been 20 you mm-hmm. know like we were young we there's a lot of young guys there and we not that we we weren't – I wasn't making a fortune, but I was probably making as much as my parents or more than my parents were making working and and uh, nothing really to spend it on and yeah. just too much time and a little bit too much money on their hands and <laughs> <laughs> you do foolish stuff. <laughs> too much
1: time, too much money, too much butter.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, well, listen, Darcy, this was awesome. I'm so happy that I got to chat with you about this. And, uh, you know, just to, to you know, kind of salute you a little bit, um, you know, since you retired, I know you've been doing a bunch of different things, but you've been a teacher now uh, for a long time. And I, and I think uh, I have the utmost respect for teachers because, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's hokey to say because it's from the song, but children are our future. But, you know, children need quality teachers and they need individuals they could look up to and so often people look up to the wrong people because they're in the spotlight but uh because I've known you so long I know what kind of character you have I know uh, I know your makeup I know that every kid that you teach I know that you care about them and uh and I'm sure that that you make an impact on each and every one of them and I just wanted to salute you and I know I think you said your wife is a teacher too so uh just really thank you for the job that you do uh post hockey
0: Well, thanks, Joe. No, that means a lot. And uh, no, we—I uh, am. I'm a teacher now. My wife's a teacher. We have a pretty good setup. You know, we're not, we're not going to be filthy rich or anything, but uh, we have our summers off. Get to spend them with our kids. We do some camping. I got a boat. We spend some time, and I get to golf every morning. And mm-hmm. Tee off at seven o'clock at my my course. uh oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm, life life's pretty good. Get to coach and and work with kids, and I kind of always knew I wanted to do that from those hockey schools that I worked at when I, at a young age. I just really enjoy working with kids, and it, it's a high school. It's a little different than than it was different age group than it was at the at the hockey school, but uh, I like working with the high school kids. You can mess with them a little bit. They <laughs> they, they give it back, and yeah, it's fun. So you, you develop some pretty good relationships with them over the years. So.
1: Uh, any of the high school kids ever come up to you and say they saw something about you on YouTube?
0: Oh God, all the time. We had we had a big so. Uh, without, I'm not going to throw any names at there. Or nothing, but we so we're having this discussion. I teach leadership is one of the courses that I'll teach. It's mostly social studies and some stuff. But anyway, we're having this discussion. In the in this, if anyone's ever read the Sean Covey books, uh, Seven Habits of, I think Stephen Covey wrote. I can't remember who's the father and who's the son. One of them wrote seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. The other fellow wrote seven habits of highly effective teens. So we do the highly effective teens in my leadership class. And there's a part of there talking about, you know, basically respecting yourself and your body and all these things. And this girl, very naive girl was talking about, you know, send sexting pictures mm-hmm. to boyfriend, all this stuff. I said, what, like, I said, you got to be careful with that stuff. It's going to come back to haunt you down the road. No, no, you won't. No. I said, what do you think? What do you think he's doing with the picture when he gets you? You don't think he shows anybody else or sends it to anybody else? You just trust him. And and, uh," she's like, oh, yeah. But yeah, And going on. And I was was like, look, how many here have watched? This is only about three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. How many people here have watched my fights on YouTube? And, you know, half the class, their hands go up. I said, you got to remember that these fights were recorded on VHS. Mm -hmm in like the late 90s <laughs> yep. and you're you're watching them now in like the late like 2015 2017 whatever year we were in said, so you don't think these pictures of you with nothing on are gonna resurface at yeah. some point down here how interesting is it to watch me fight compared to, you know you guys <laughs> so anyway yeah anyway you get, you get into some stuff it's yeah. uh yeah but they do they all watch it and and uh <laughs> Usually, when coming on the end of the year, they're always start see "Can you show us some fights? Show us some of your fights? Come on, come on, Mister Hair, show us some of your fights." Uh, well,
1: this was awesome, buddy. I am so glad. I'm glad I could get you off the uh, off the uh, water and off the golf course for a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, but no, it means a lot to me that you took the time to chat with me. And uh, you know, you know, I love you, buddy. And uh, and uh, thanks again. And we'll talk soon.
0: Well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It's great. Oh. Great to be here.
1: All right. See you, Darcy. All right. All right. Bye now. Thanks again to Darcy Harris for doing the show. Um, Darcy is an, another example like Roman Ender or like Kevin Kaminsky. Another example of a guy who uh, I've maintained a friendship with over the years that uh, I wouldn't have on the show because they don't have any affiliation with the Islanders. So I'm glad that uh, every now and then I have a good idea and came up with this idea where I could get someone like Darcy, get someone like killer, get someone like rooms on here to talk about, uh, the players they may have fought or played against or, or played for that have ties to the Islanders because otherwise I could never get them on the show. So, um, this is a big deal for me getting these guys on the show, and like I always say, Darcy's one of my favorite people in the entire world, so Darcy, I appreciate it. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to do the show uh I had a lot of fun doing it. You're the man uh so next week uh next week'll be interesting i'm going I'm not gonna be here on the weekend. So uh, I'm hoping to have something wrapped up this week and already programmed for you people for next Monday and I have a pretty good idea that it's it's going to be a go uh my guest is uh is a pretty solid dude so I'm not afraid at all so uh, I know I know that's backfired on me in the past but uh but I know this guy pretty well and I know uh, I know he's a man of his word so uh, so I should have content for you next Monday. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to Darcy Harris. Everybody out there, you people, please stay safe.